be the right club today. Yes! Hey everybody, this is episode five, uh, parent-child relationship, something that's important to both Chase and I. Uh, it's been real important to me for a long time. Uh, everybody is kind of well documented that my dad was really involved in uh, my game and had strong opinions. And if you're a parent out there, I'm pretty sure that uh, most of you have strong opinions. That certainly most of the ones we've met Absolutely. have strong opinions. Absolutely. And that's not all bad. Uh, as long as we temper it a little bit and say what we think at the right time. And we're going to talk a little bit about that. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about my relationship with my dad. Chase is going to talk about his. Why don't you start with your dad, Chase? Well, well one thing I, you know, I, I want to mention is you know, getting into this process with, with you, we work with a lot of really good young, young players. And, I mean, heck, I would say over 50, maybe even 60% of our job is to make sure that the relationship between – father son father daughter is where it needs to be you know i mentioned father mothers too but but mothers tend to be a little little softer in their approach and not that we don't seem to have as many problems with with the uh the mother uh, uh son or daughter relationship as we do the father father son relationship um but i think it's it's making sure that you know you made an analogy one time that we're all in a rowboat and we need to row at the same speed in the same direction at the same time and i think that's so true because you know, nowadays a lot of parents will want to push their kids more than the kids want to be pushed, or or it's unrealistic expectations. And and a lot of times, our I feel like our job coming in here, we when we have these students come in, is to make sure that that they're all we're all from coach, parent, child, we're all seeing eye to eye, and we all have similar goals. Well, I think you're 100 percent right at that. I mean, let's just call it what it is. There's a team here. Yep. And the athlete is usually the junior player. Now, we see a lot of parents that come in here and live vicariously through their kids because either they didn't reach the goals they wanted to reach or, uh, you know, they see aspirations for their child at really high levels in professional sports. Uh, whatever the reason is, the parent is always pushing harder than the kid is usually. Absolutely. And, and I mean, wouldn't you agree that's healthy? I mean, for the most, I mean, we're as a kid, we're ne we're never going to be, or, or the kids are never going to be as motivated. I mean, look at some of the greatest athletes to ever. I mean, look at Tiger and his dad. I mean, his dad was a, a more of, of a drill sergeant type, and and installed, and his 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 mom did too, but installed so much discipline in Tiger. Well, there's a real balance in this, mm -hmm. and you know, my dad was super pushy about what he thought I needed to do. And I took the, the other side of it as a parent. I probably didn't push very hard at all because I was pushed so hard. Yeah. And neither one of those are 100% right. And I'm gonna say that to everybody out there. Yeah. You know, the perfect way to raise a child is, is not blueprinted anywhere. And uh, it's in that DNA of that particular child. How to push their buttons. How to push their buttons in order to make them better. And as a parent, your job is to read that and to be open-minded about it. Know when to step on the gas and know when to hit the brake. And, uh, I mean, Sim what do you think? Similar to our golf games. Yeah, right? similar to our similar. golf games. You know, going back to your, your question about my dad, I, I was very blessed. I had a um, an awesome, awesome dad growing up. He was, I mean, he's fortunately he's still with us. Um, you know, he was... 
a little bit on the drill sergeant type. His dad was um, was very uh, was a was a hard man, and that, you know, kind of the the norm for um, for our, our you know my grandfather, your grandfather, they grew up in a in a hard era, going through the depression, going through all that stuff, and and tended to be a bit more drill sergeanty type. I feel like we've as a as a generation we've gotten a little bit softer with how we parent our, our children. I, th- I think everybody would agree with that. But his dad was was very tough on him and. And, and early on, my dad was was tough on me. He was a um, my dad's background was in basketball. He was a really good basketball player. He played Division One basketball, and we we kind of approached golf in the same way. You know, if you're struggling with with your free throws in basketball, you know, go out there and shoot a hundred in a row, or you know, or make a hundred in a row. And and we kind of took that approach to golf. And and that was you know, if if I could go back from a from a golf performance standpoint, it was always. You know, Chase, go hit, you know, I'll use driver, for instance, go hit 10 drivers in a row in the fairway before we could leave. And knowing what we know now, 60, 70% of fairways hit on tour is pretty, pretty good, especially I hit it pretty far, especially at my length. And we would get into this deal where I'd hit eight or nine in a row and then miss one. I'd hit one offline and we were always trying to figure out why I hit that one offline. And we just didn't realize how, how hard golf was. And we needed to look at it like, hey, you just hit nine out of ten, and you hit ninety percent of your fairways. Like that's pretty good, you know. Right. If we can, if we can figure out, you know, time the miss on the right hole, we're fine. Keep yeah. it on one side of the one side of the fairway or one side of the side of the the course. But instead, it was always like, okay, why, 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 why? And and I think looking back, he turned me. He made he helped make me a really good golf instructor because I was always trying to figure out why am I hitting it offline, and we were chasing instructors and trying to figure out the why, instead of just saying, "Hey, man, that was really good." You know, keep keep trying to hit eight or nine in a row, eight or nine out of ten, and, and you're allowed one miss or so. And so, that looking back, that was one of the things. But I mean, we just like any father son. I mean, we had our battles. There were plenty of tears shed on a golf course because he was trying to help me, and I was bickering at him and arguing with him and I'm, I'm i'm a little argumentative at times and so i i would i would challenge him but you know he to to his credit he never um he never really felt like he knew enough about golf to be you know the main voice of reason for me so we were always always trying to find somebody to help um and and sometimes looking back i wish that he would have um believed in himself a little bit more to where i i because you know, as you know, and, and we tell our, our parents this all the time, when it's the day before a tournament and the, and the kid's struggling with his golf swing, I mean, it, it's May Day. Who's who's who are they gonna gonna lean on? Who are they gonna right. rely on? They're not gonna call us. Yeah. It's Dad. Dad, what do you see? What do you think? What you know? And he was he was almost afraid to to dive in, and I, and I think I probably would have been more secure if he would have been. And it's hard, right? You know, but I think. I think you know he was he was my putting coach. I was the best you know I putted my best when he, his eye, it was only his eyes. As we got more technical, as as we you know got into college and stuff, I, I didn't putt as well. So I always I always tell very active parents that, that that know a little bit about the game. You know, try to learn as much about your your kids' golf swings to be able to help them when again when when the gun goes off and and it's May Day and they're pull hooking it an hour before they tee off and you know they gotta they gotta you know take something to the course and, and believe in it and and so but I mean looking back at, at, at growing up I mean I was I was incredibly blessed I I, um, I love my dad to death and and he he did the best job he could under the under this you know the circumstances he was dealt with well you know I think we had the same kind of dad mine just older than yours my dad's 88 now he's still alive my dad uh, went to the University of Arkansas and uh, 
on scholarship and was up there one year and decided he was going to come home and marry my mother and go into the Air Force. And his dad told him on the front porch, that same dad that had grown up in the Depression and everything else, and he said, you'll dig ditches the rest of your life. This is the worst decision you've ever made in your life. And my dad took that to heart and worked really hard and became a self-made man. And, you know, he treated, he did that with hard work and, uh, and he sacrificed a lot. And, you know, he, he became successful with that. He saw that. He saw how hard work really worked. And he started in on me with that. And I'll never forget, I played every sport. And at 15 or 16, I came in and said, I'm going to quit everything and I'm going to dedicate myself to golf. And he said, I'll tell you what I'll do. He said, uh, I'll finance this as long as you treat it like a job. But the day you quit treating it like a job will be the day you go to work. And he treated me just like that. He knew nothing about golf. I mean, it broke his heart when I quit football. That's how passionate parents are about their own desires. And I mean, I want to caution everybody out there right now. It's not your passion, it's your child's passion. Now, if their passion becomes your passion, all the better. Absolutely. And I want to say that, like Chase, my dad loved me with all of his heart. He didn't show it very well. I'll be honest with you, there was a lot of times that I wondered if he loved me. And I've tweeted about this quite often, you know, be careful, don't let your love become performance-based because kids pick up on that immediately. You know, I wondered, you know, it, it, it seemed ironic that the better I played, the more I felt loved. Yep. And I bet you that everybody out there has experienced some of this. And, you know, that's not a direct correlation in your mind, but it can be a direct correlation in the child's mind. Sure. I mean, you're, you're, you're both really happy that your son played well. You know, right. And, but you've got to make sure that. You know, there was a, a, an old analogy or, or a, a mentor of mine actually said this one time. He said, if your son shoots 90 or 70, you still take him out for ice cream. Right. You know, it's, it's making sure that, that they know, hey, son, I'm proud of you. I love you. I enjoyed watching you play. Now you can, you know, get into a little bit of the, the negatives. Yeah. I, here's another thing that really, you know, you don't always have to have an answer. You know, when a, yeah. when a kid says something to you about, what do you think, Dad? Don't just throw something out if you're not sure. It's actually better if you say, I'm not sure, but we'll figure this out. Because let me tell you what that will do. When you say that, when you finally do say something that you're sure about, he will understand that you're not just going to throw something out. He's going to know that you've thought it out well, or he, she will. She'll know you've thought it out well. And they'll gain confidence and trust in you. And boy, do they need that because... I mean, we're fixing to get into this, but you are the most important uh, keg in the wheel, so to speak. Voice. Yeah, you're the most important voice. They're going to look to you. You can become the least important if you handle it wrong. And, you know, like Chase and I talk all the time, there's no blueprint to perfection as far as raising a child. But there is a blueprint for that child, and it's, it's not written anywhere you have to figure it out as you go that, that's exactly right. it's funny i remember i was giving a putt lesson one day and it was to a young young girl and she was the most artistic every every time she had a good shot she'd start dancing I'll, I'll always remember this and um her her dad was was an engineer 
And so her dad had her like doing all these steps before she hit a putt. And she was, I mean, she'd have seven, eight, three putts around, like super struggling with her speed, struggling with everything. And, and I, I asked her one day, I said, who, how'd you come up with, I mean, she's walking off every putt. She's got a, she takes it back to her right big toe for a five footer and like crazy, crazy technical. And she, I was like, I said, how did this, this, who developed this plan for you? And she said, well, my dad did. I said, okay. I said, I said, I asked her, you know, I said, I mentioned her name and I said, what's your favorite thing to do? So what do you love to do? She said, I love, love to draw and I love to dance. And I said, okay, I want you to be as artistic as you can be on these greens. And she kind of looked at me and I was like, I want you to see it, feel it, put it, you know, quit trying to do all this stuff. And so to your point, that's an example of an engineer's mind trying to basically put on his daughter what he needs what how he thinks and there's plenty of engineer putters that do bryson's a great example he's he's turned his putting around but there's also a lot of ben crenshaw's and a lot of brad faxons out there that see it fill it close their eyes and can be great putters and so i think to your point that that's a great example of you know again figure out what your child needs first what their love language is per se and then you hit on that and you try and you know develop it and let it grow uh, great analogy there. You know, I mean, Chase and I teach a lot of kids, and uh, you know, I, we could give you many, many examples of how we change the way a parent uh, has dialogue with their parents. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell a little story about uh, a family that I used to teach their daughter, and the daughter is was fairly sensitive. Uh, she probably. You know, girls tend to cry more than boys do, mm-hmm. and I think we've seen quite a bit of the girls get a little bit uh, teary-eyed whenever dad is getting hard on them. And uh, this particular time I was teaching the girl on the back of the range at Champions Golf Club over here, and the back of the range has usually got a bunch of really good players on it. And she had progressed quite a bit, so I said, let's go to the back of the range to take this lesson today so we go back there and it had rained the day before and the grass it was winter time and the grass was a little bit thin and you know if you hit it a little bit heavy uh and the bad part is you can hear it too. yeah and yeah, you miss it yeah. you can just it's you, you yes and she was struggling warming up you know one's a little thin one's a little heavy and whatever she did dad had a remark and it was not necessarily a, a uh, he used that day he was grunting and you know he would grunt he go fat and then the next one would obviously be thin he go thin and you know there's a lot of players around and they can hear it without the they all know they all she know knows, what's going on you know, you know? They know. Yep. and then dad making it even harder and i can just watch if we use this cup as an analogy right here and we just think that uh whatever goes in here is is confidence are we going to put confidence in or are we going to pour it out so i i took this as long as i could take it and i finally looked at her and i said look you and your mom <clears throat> go down to the end, the other end of the range and wait on the putting green and we're going to do a putting lesson from here. I knew she didn't quite have it that day and I didn't want to drain her confidence, so we'll putt today. So I said, but your dad and I are going to walk down there, but before you all leave on the cart, I want to get that bottle of water off. Okay. And she was a little leery of me waiting there with her dad because she was scared of what I was going to say to her dad. 
And uh, so I get the bottle of water and they drive off. And I walk right up into the face of the dad, who I liked very much. And I started undoing uh, the screw, unscrewing the top of the bottle of water. And when I got it taken off, I just started pouring it out. And it kind of landing right between he and I and splattering everywhere. And he jumped back and he said, what are you doing? And I screwed the top back on and I held the bottle of water on just like this right here. And I said, you know, Dad, I said, that water that I just poured out is like confidence that you've been pouring out of your daughter right here in front of everybody with all of your little peanut gallery remarks that everybody on this range knew was going on. And you took everything she had out of her. So here, she's your daughter. You put something in or take it out. It's up to you. And I, I don't care. And I turned around and walked off. Well, boy, I tell you, it was an interesting evening because I got home that night and my wife said, how did today go? And I said, well, I don't know. I had to take a really strong stance today, but I tried to help this little girl. So that evening, later on, I checked my emails and I got an email from her dad. And he said, Hal, you're like a lighthouse, a lighthouse when lost at sea. You helped me find my way back. Thank you so much for what you did. So as a teacher... Chase has got instances just like this, too. We have to take a chance. Sometimes we have to say, we can't take it anymore. This is wrong, and I'm going to do something about it. No, it's, I know you have. Absolutely. No, it's exactly right. And I think, I think parents have to realize that golf is going to beat them up. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, you've got plenty of, plenty of stories over the course of your career where, I mean, it's just it's overwhelming. It's going to end up beating you. You're not going to – we hope to borrow it for as long as possible, but golf, you're never going to own it. And, and as parents, I, I think, you know, what you did with, with them was huge because it made him realize, like, look, I've got to continue to try and build her up and quit trying to be so perfect and quit trying. And, and a lot of times, too, the best parents that we have leave they, – they, they really kind of leave their, the, the students' golf swings alone. They let us deal with the golf swings, and they're, they're almost more of a – almost more of a caddy per se, right? Mm -hmm. Like caddies don't get into swing technique that much, but caddies are going to instill confidence in, in you as you're walking to the 18th tee at, at Sawgrass trying to be Tiger. And that's what we need from, and that's what most you know parents out there listening, you need to do with your children is try to build them up, try to lift them up, let find somebody else that knows the golf swing to really help. And again, like I mentioned with my dad, there's going to be plenty of times where it's it's mayday mayday you're gonna have to try and help you know help get your your son or daughter through a tournament but try to stay away from over obsessing over every golf shot and over every round of golf because again golf's too hard yeah. it's just too hard well i think that's a great analogy and i think something that we both have suffered from is hitting a bad shot blaming it on bad technique or something instead of looking inward and saying you know, my thought process was yeah. wrong or whatever, you know. I mean, no one makes a perfect golf swing all the time. It's just not in any of us. I mean, Tiger has done the best job of it, but he still hits a bad shot every now and then. Trust me, I've seen him hit a bad shot. And, you know, what y'all see on TV is his greatest shots because he's usually in the top five people out there and he's hitting great shots to be there. Yeah. But he does hit bad shots. So your child is going to hit some bad shots. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be overanalyzed all the time. It's a perf it's a process. That's right. And the other thing to realize is it, it might be okay if your child doesn't play Division I golf. Or it's okay if they don't make it on the PGA Tour. Because 
There's some negatives to to, to college <laughs> golf. There's some negatives to the PGA, PGA Tour. Tour yeah. I mean, it's not it's not just rainbows and unicorns. And and it might be that their success is a club championship when they're 28, 29, 30, and they're using golf to to excel in the business world. I mean, that's that's the thing. Like especially in in the COVID era that we're dealing with right now, like the market golf. Golf scholarships have really, um, you know, the market's really dried up. And so it's it's hard. There's a lot of really good seniors in high school right now that are not going to find at least, you know, Division One golfers that would have played Division One golf in any other year are going D2, D3 level because there's nowhere to play. And so, you know, those parents and those, that, those, those kids did everything right to earn that Division One golf scholarship that, 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 that was their goal. But, you know, extenuating circumstances, you know, obviously, you know, threw a, threw a kink in that. So... That's that's one of the things like if you know if your you know 11 12 year old old son wants to play college golf and division 1 golf is the goal and they don't make it that doesn't mean it was a failure like you're there's late bloomers there's there's a lot of things we could get into on the why but we just don't just like you say we don't know we don't know the destination to the journey we're just going to try and get as good as we can get timing is everything and you know we could talk about sports across the whole spectrum right. during this COVID thing because the NCAAs have, have allowed seniors to stay another year. Yep. Coaches are taking chance. They're not taking chances on freshmen. Right. They have a known product. Right. So they're going to go ahead and probably use that person. That's right. And you know, that's hurt everybody across the board, but you know, it's what we're dealing with yep. and it's kind of like golf. You know, we hit a shot in a spot that we don't want it and we got to go in there and hit it so you know if you're a parent and a child out there let's just go in there and hit the shot the best we can and play on and let's see where it takes us yeah and i would say too you know be careful of deadlines yeah trying to reach certain deadlines at certain times times are you know really tough because again child children develop at at such different rates you know a, a kid that we both taught for for a while you know at 12 13 years old i mean he was he, you know, had the maturity of a 16, 17-year-old kid. And then we've got some 16, 17-year-old kids that have the maturity of a 12-year-old. So right. we just don't know when they're, when they're going to develop. Yeah. I think uh, something we ought to talk about here is goals, goal yeah. setting. You know, uh, I always had short-term goals and long-term goals. And short-term goals were things that I knew I could achieve that I sat down with my dad and we set these goals. And they were, they were kind of hard-line goals. Um, so, so give some examples of so, so some examples of that would be uh, at the beginning of a summer we would set some hardline goals we're going to play in this many tournaments and we're going to have at least one finish somewhere you know whether it was and it would be higher it would be like a you know maybe a top 10 finish or something like that it had a little leeway in it right but at the same time, it was hard line. But they were reasonable. They were like, reasonable. They were reasonable. And then I, I, that was the first summer. The second summer, I set a hard line goal of uh, winning a tournament. Yeah. And I won the Louisiana State Junior that year. And it was kind of a fluke because I came from 10 strokes behind. And honestly, it was more the guy that was winning, failing, than it was me winning. But you never know how things are going sure. to pan out. Now, long-term goals were uh, Division One. I, I, that was one of my things at the time. <clears throat> I wanted to play Division One golf. And, but, you know, that started when I was 15 years old, and it was out there, and I just kept looking at it. It was like the sun that came up every day. Yeah. You know, I could depend on it. I thought about it. I wanted to make it. And actually, I was fortunate enough to be able to do it. Yeah, it's similar to, you know, Tiger talked about putting – 
you know, Jack's 18 majors, you know, every time he got out of bed, he had, there was stuff on his wall, you know, so he had these long-term goals that he was, he was dreaming about every day at night in the, you know, when he was out practicing every day. And it's a lot of times you see with these, these great performers that those, those goals, those, those childhood goals become reality. You know, the, the, yeah. the mind's so powerful in that. Yeah. Well, I think what's really important is I throw something in there at this point, you know, uh, I admire Tiger more than anything in the world because no matter how much money he made or no matter how many tournaments he won, he never lost sight of that. Yep. He woke up with that desire the same way every day. Yep. And let me tell you all something. I didn't do a very good job at that. And most of us don't do a very good job at that because we're in the game. People are expecting too much of us, and we're thinking about it, about how we're failing them, their expectations. Or there's something else we want to do. And as a parent, you're sitting out there saying, why? Why Why are you doing this? Why do you want that? Why, do you, why aren't you doing this? And the truth is you're at a different stage in life. You've already done some of the things that yep. they're wanting to do. Yep. And you, you, why would you want that? I already know how. I can't tell you how many times my dad said, why do you want that? I've already crossed that bridge. And I looked back at my dad and said, you crossed that bridge. I haven't crossed that bridge yet. It's my choice how I cross that bridge, whether I go on the right side of that bridge or the left side of that bridge. You know, bear that in mind. Bear that in mind as you talk to your child about something because it is their life. My kids have told me a bunch of times, this is my life. It is. It is. And I love you, and I want you to get everything out of it. Yeah. But by the same token, I do have some experience. And wouldn't you want to take some experience, I mean, some some of that experience from somebody that you know loves you. Right. I think, you know, there's a lot of research out there about the roles of parents at different ages. And, you know, and I, I'm, I don't have it right in front of me, but, you know, at, from ages, I'm going to throw it out there, from ages two to seven, you're more of a cop. Right. No, don't, stop, quit doing that. Yes, no, don't, you know. From, and then I'm going to skip way ahead, from 20 to 25, you're almost more of a consultant. Right. You know, you're almost a paid consultant or you're paying them to, you know. <laughs> it mostly it's <laughs> mostly <like>. the <laughs> um, but, but they need your worldly advice, essentially. You know, and I think a lot of times what we see here is, you know, when when that teenager is is not wanting to hear any advice from their parent, their parent still views that little girl, that little boy as a two or three year old baby that 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 looked up where the child was still looking up just where my, my kids are six, four and two. And they, they all think I'm Superman. Right. Well, when they're 16, 14 and 12, it's not going to be that way, as, no. you've, as you've warned me so many times. And so I think, you know, part of the challenge is is. As as mom or dad, and you can speak on this a little bit more, but the the role changes, and I think I think parents need to be really good at figuring out when it switched to the next step. Well, as you were talking about that, I was thinking about something that kind of relates to that. Uh, you know, I I didn't always want to hear what my dad had to say, and I'm sure my mother used to say we started out with eight foot ceilings and we ended up with fourteen foot ceilings because it got heated in there quite often. <laughs> Uh, like you, Chase, yeah. I, I, I was a little argumentative at times, and, you know, I wasn't always uh, wanting to take what he was putting out. You know, I didn't think it was fair. And uh, But I want to tell you all something. Uh, I needed my dad's support. I needed his – I needed him to say, Hal, you're going to be okay. I needed him to say, uh, I believe in you. 
he didn't have to say it directly like that, but I could always tell when my dad was confident in what I was doing. And, And let me tell you, whether I actually said it or not, he knew I needed that. And he would either hold it back or give it to me based on timing of things. And, you know, I look back, I mean, there were times, I'm not going to lie to you, that my dad and I didn't get along at all. And and I didn't want him, I wouldn't even ask him his opinion because I knew his opinion would be, um, you know, opposite to what I thought it needed to be. So, you know, and this is largely after I'd already made it on the tour, you know, and I just wouldn't even pay any attention to him. And now he's 88 and I'm 62. And, you know, I'm... I still need my dad to say, it's okay. It's going to be all right. And I believe in you. This is good. And I'm not doing anything anymore that that really requires that. Yeah. You know, but I know that when I was playing golf professionally, <clears throat> that my dad, good or bad, was still going to love me and be there. And in business, both he and I, you know, we were in business together for a long time. And, uh, you know, there were times that he needed me financially and I needed him financially. And we were there every time for each other. And I hope that for everybody out there. Absolutely. I mean, at, at this point in you guys' lives, you're, you know, more best friends than, than I mean, you still, you know, I've heard you, you know, you when you call him on the phone, hey, daddy, you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's cool. And I, I remember I was thinking when you were, you were talking about that, like, my first phone call after every round of golf was my dad, every every time. And the, you know, some of the hardest ones were when I played terrible. Yeah, you know, golly, dad, I played awful. But well, what happened? You've been playing so great. I'm like, I don't know. You know, I, I suck. You know, <laughs> um, but you know, and then then some of my favorite ones were when I was you know when I played great and you know they, they hadn't posted scores yet. Dad, I shot 68 or 67 or whatever. But um, you know, I, I think you know let's we'll, we'll go we'll go back. I got I got two things I want to I want to ask you about. Um, or, or talk about a little bit. Both our our dads said the same thing. You mentioned that your dad said, "I will finance this thing as long as you you work your tail off and treat it as a job." My dad said the exact same exact same thing. I you won't have to work through high school, or whatever. If you will put your heart and soul and 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 you know uh, uh, enough time um, into this. Um, obviously for. For any any parent out there that has a kid at 11, 12, 13, I mean, we're, they're going to have to work their tail off. Mm-hmm. Talk, talk a little bit about, you know, that kind of um, that kind of structure and that that idea of treating it like a job, but we also want to be careful and not adultify this thing too soon either. Well, I'm not sure I'm the best uh, person for this uh, question, but I mean, you know, my dad uh, was like a uh, my employer, yeah. to be honest with you, he would come and watch me from afar to see if I was really doing what he and I had set out to do. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I mean, we say it in here all the time we need reps. You need reps. And my dad made sure I got the reps in yeah. because he didn't trust that. With all of the outside agencies, you know, one of my friends say, let's go hang out at the pool this afternoon. My dad wasn't into, let's go hang out at the pool this afternoon. And, uh, you know, kids, you know, they deviate from time to time. And my dad taught me discipline. I mean, he was in the Air Force. 
and most of the military people in the world were taught discipline. Sure. And my dad taught me discipline. So then do you think his um, the amount he pushed matched your desire and your love of the game? Yeah, I really do, to be honest with you. I was an obsessive person, uh, and I obsessed over golf. Yeah. I mean, I played 45 holes in a day. Yeah. And <laughs> we talk about that all the time. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, we talk about it's hard for a kid to develop like Chase and I developed. We grew up on small golf courses, you know, uh, that didn't have a big membership. So when I went out to play, there wouldn't be but four or five people on the golf course at the most. So I could play all I wanted to and hit all the shots I wanted to and not worry about other people. I mean, we we figured out the art side of it by just hitting multiple shots, having a lot of reps. Yeah, that's exactly right. Kids don't have that same luxury today. So, you know, they're developing differently now. And so I think the, the art in this is, um, you know, if if you as a, as a parent feel like you're having to push your child to get out there and go practice and go play, you know the the goals can't be as high as you're you're probably thinking they should be because if if you can't get them to go work at their game, then you know it's just it's just it's a, it's it's going to be really difficult for them to reach their ultimate goal. And so again, we again we we keep going back to this point of you have to push as much as they're pushing too. You know, it can't be too much one way or the other. I would 100% agree with that. We talked about a blueprint always be trying to figure out the blueprint of your particular child and match that keep it in balance you know we talked mostly to this point about parent to the child but now i'm going to talk a little bit about child to the parent you know because the child doesn't know a lot i mean let's i hope some of the kids out there listening to this you know god didn't give us all the knowledge in the world that's called experience and the older you are, the more you have. So give your dad or your mom their dues because they're a lot further down the journey than you are. Yep. And they love you, and they're going to give you the wisdom. They're going to give you the best of what they've got. I can assure you of that. Don't be resentful of that. Mm-hmm. Accept that to the best of your ability. Take it as a positive rather than they're knocking you, which I didn't always do. Sure. I always thought it was a criticism of me, and it's not. It's, it's hey, Hal, you can be better at this by doing it this way. And I know this because I've done this. And then the last thing I want to say about that is, is right up there is a picture of my dad and I right after I won the PGA. And I finished one shot ahead of a guy y'all have all heard of, Jack Nicklaus, who was my boyhood idol. And it was my dad's greatest moment for everything that he had done for me. And he and I both are smiling like crazy. He won that day too. He had a huge investment in me financially, but even more important than that, he had an investment of love in me. And to see him happy over that meant everything to me. So kids, let your parents feel the same thing you feel yeah if you look at that picture right now you can't tell who won no you can't tell you can't tell that you were, i mean it looks like you guys won a an unbelievably cool trophy and it was a team event you know you really can't tell and and it's it's so so interesting to me when i'm 
working with with some kids that again we're blessed to work with a bunch of high level high level young kids but they're they're sitting on the on the swing catalyst mat and they're hitting a shot and we're talking about their performance and we'll talk about it let's say they played a tournament last week and the dad will say man on 15 he had you know 155 into a back left pin and pull hooked it in the water is the worst shot he ever hit or whatever he'll they'll, they'll say something maybe not quite that critical and i'm always watching the kid and the, the kid's Everyone, I say every one of them, 99% of them are wanting to argue. They're wanting to say, no, I didn't, no, I didn't, no, I didn't, uh, uh-uh, no, I didn't, you know, and it, and I think, and, and this goes into a, 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 an analogy I try and make, I, we have to get the kid also, we talked to parents, now we're talking to the kids, we have to get the kids to realize that the parents' goals are similar to these elite kids' goals. And, and the analogy I like to make is I'll, I'll ask every kid that comes in here, you know what sport? What other sport do you like to watch? And if it's football, I'll I'll use Tom Brady. If it's if it's basketball, let's lose let's use LeBron James or James Harden being local. So so I'll say okay. So think of Tom Brady, and this is this is you know let's go back to when he was with New England. Tom Brady had all the success with Bill Belichick at New England. So I'll say okay. Did who's who's Tom Brady's coach? Well, it's Bill Belichick. Okay. Did Bill Belichick play quarterback? And they'll think for a minute. Most of them know. No, he didn't. I say okay. Do you think Tom Brady respects Bill Belichick's critiques? They'll think for a minute. Yeah, he probably does. Okay. But yet Tom Brady's played that position at the highest level we've probably ever seen. Bill Belichick's never played that position at all. So how is it that Tom and, and Bill, how is it that Tom respects Bill's, Bill's critique on this? Because a lot of the times, the, the kids that get pretty good that have dads that haven't played golf, they don't think that they know anything about the game because they never even played it. And I'll hear that all. You never even played, you don't know. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. He's seen you hit more shots, way more shots than I have. He's seen you under pressure way more than I have. And so what I try and get them to, to think about is going back to this Belichick-Brady thing. What's the goal for both of them? The Super Bowl. Okay, cool, the Super Bowl. Do you think they see eye to eye over everything? No. no, but no. is there a mutual respect from both of them to try and reach their goal? Do they both, and the question I always leave them with is this, do they both need each other to succeed? And the answer is yes. For you kids, you, ha- you can't do it alone from a financial standpoint, from, you know, if you don't have a car, you know, driving around, all that stuff. I mean, parents have to sacrifice so much to get you to the golf course, to get you to us, to get you to, to, to trainers and to tournaments and all that stuff. And so... You need each other. You have to respect each other. And kids, I promise you, we've said it both, but I promise you your parents know more about this than you think they do. And, and one of the things that I always try and do, you do the same. I want parents as involved in these lessons as I can get them in. Yeah. I want them to learn as much about their child's golf swing as they can learn. So that way, again, they're with them, you know, 40, 35 weeks out of the year, and we're with them, you know, you know, 17, 20 days a year. So right. we've, 20 hours a year, whatever it is. So we have got to make sure that they know what, kind of what to look for and just kind of how to help a little bit because they're, you know, they're, they're in the battle a lot more than we are. Well, you know, they're our eyes. The parents are our eyes when they're out playing. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I'm sorry I got a little upset earlier, but <laughs> I want to tell awesome. you all the reason why. Uh, this is a real passionate thing to me because, you know, I'm much further down the road. I'm, I'm, I'm a grandparent now, and I see the perspective from both sides, the kid and the parent. 
And, you know, my dad's older. He's 88 years old. You know, I don't know how much longer my dad will be with me. But we shared incredible times together. And I love those memories. And y'all are creating memories together. Make sure they're good. Because when you get to be my age, you look back fondly on them. That's exactly right. You know, one of the, the questions I'll ask parents sometimes is, would you rather have... You know, if it's especially if it's a girl, would you rather have the best LPJ player in the world at twenty at twenty five and not have a relationship with her, or would you rather have the best relationship with her and she just be a good golfer that just graduated from college? You know, I think that's. I mean, what are our goals? What are we trying to do here? And it's the relationship has to be good, number one, or, or as functional as it can be, because there's there's going to be rocky times. No doubt. I like to similar to that. I I, I like to use Thanksgiving. Do you want them to always yeah. give thanks with you at Thanksgiving and put their feet underneath your table and thank you for what you did? Yeah. Or do you want them to be not present? Use that as your your springboard for what you're about to do. You know, and one of the questions we've we've asked a couple of times was, you know, is there a perfect way to raise a golfer? You know, obviously there's no perfect way to raise a child. Is there a perfect way to raise a, and we can even say a high-performing athlete. It doesn't have to be golf. It can be. It can be any any sport. And I, I think you know. And, and I I know you know we're going to do a bunch of these podcasts, and I know we're going to end up having a bunch of guests on. And this parent-child relationship is going to be one of the main themes of, of right. what we talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, but to me, what little I know about being a being a father. Again, kids are six, four, and two. But but from how I've I've had to interact with these kids and these high performing high performing kids we work with and even even many tour players and all that stuff. The the biggest key from my side is the parent has to figure out the love I call it the love language, the love language of the child as early as possible. Would you you know how, what would you add to that? Well, there really is there anything to add to that? I mean, you know, we're I mean, I've talked about blueprint, yeah. you know. I mean, what you're basically saying is I'm trying to figure out the blueprint of my child. Once I figure it out, I'm going to drive on that, basically, and I'm going to give them that. And, uh, you know, not every child's the same. If you've got more than one child, I promise you they're going to be different than and, the other one, each know, of you, them. You probably, probably felt that already, for oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. you can't raise them the same. And, like, again, going back to the engineer-artist analogy, if you're an engineer and your, your son or daughter's more of an artist, you've got to – you got to figure out a way to to, to speak push their them. language. Yep, to speak their language. Yeah, you got to figure out a way to, to. I mean, if you speak their language, they're coming in to you. If you're not speaking their language, they're going to push away. And uh, you know, you can get your point across in their language, yep. and try to figure that out. Don't force your language on them necessarily. Would you say too if? If you know your daughter or your son's more of a more of an artist or more of an engineer, would you try to push them to, to a certain style of coaching? Uh, that's a good question. I'm not sure which way I would go on that. I'd probably try to give them a little bit of what they don't have, but understand. I, I'd probably have a conversation with the person yeah, the beforehand, coach. Yeah. the coach beforehand, and say, "Hey, look, they're a real artist." But I think we need some of the, the the science of this, and you know maybe as you give them the science of this, could you 
think about it from an artist standpoint. Yeah. You know, and, and most good coaches are going to be able to speak and figure all that out. I mean, right? That's I'm pretty scientific or pretty data driven, but I'll I'll go I'll go art, art, artistry if I need to. Um, well, the beautiful part about Chase and I is is I was real artistic, and he was scientific. <laughs> And we've kind of both done a little yeah. bit of this. We both learned how to speak the other one's language a little yeah. bit. So uh, I think we have a pretty good balance inside this place. We, but We should uh, try hard, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, anything else to add? No, I don't I, think I love so. The, I love the passion. And, yeah. and, and I, know, I know I speak for everyone at home. I mean, obviously this is, this is something that's very, that you're passionate about. And it's honestly probably one of the main reasons why we, we got together yeah. is, is, is this subject. Well, you know, I've been passionate all my life. I fought hard. Uh, my dad was, you know, the, uh, he battled with me, you know, and I, you know, we didn't always battle together. You know, sometimes we were fighting different wars, yep. but, uh, um, you know, this is, I've been emotional and passionate about everything I did. You know, when I played in the Ryder Cup, I was that way. Um, you know, I look back. I'm I don't, I'm not competitive anymore. You know, I can't be competitive anymore. I miss being competitive, and that's what drives you and your child is the competitive spirit. Yeah. You know, I before we ever built this right here, I I called twelve of the best players in the Houston area, and I. I said, I want to have a steak dinner with everybody. I told everybody we're going to Perry's. And they met there. And I went around the room and I asked everybody what their lowest score they'd ever shot was. And they all told me what it was. And then I said, okay, what's the lowest score you've ever shot in competition? And those are two different numbers most of the time. And uh, so then the next question I ask everybody is, what one word drives each and every one of you? And that one word is competition and that is why y'all are even listening to us right now for any insight is because you want a competitive edge if you can get it and so you know that's why we're all here that's why we're all doing this and you know my way of competing these days is trying to give the knowledge that i have to others so keep watching stay tuned follow us on uh Hal Sutton Golf on Instagram and and Twitter and uh, Facebook, and we look forward to the seeing you next week. Awesome, thanks, Hal. Thanks, Chase. Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yes. Oh!